Monday, everybody, and welcome back to the Couchside Judges. I'm Scott Fontana. You can follow me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana. And I'm Dan Urban. You can follow me at the Dan Urban. You can follow the podcast at Couchside Judges, and you can subscribe wherever you listen. And if you like what you're hearing, if you like this show, please give us that five-star review. And we talk judging and MMA, so you should learn the criteria. You can read it at abcboxing.com. And you most definitely should read that, my friends. So, Dan, we are back with the post-UFC 265 edition of the Couchside Judges, of course. Good card. A uh, good card, but a very typical Houston judging situation, I think, right? I think it was better than you do. most things. I think I think it's on the better side of things. Ooh, I won't wow. say it's great. I would say it's on the better side. All right. Well, we'll get into that in just a minute. But before we do that, we have to, of course, introduce our guest Couchside judge for this episode. We have on, for the very first time, Drake Riggs, whose work you have surely seen if you frequent any of the following websites. My MMA News, The Body Lock, South China Morning Post MMA Coverage, BJPen.com, The Scrap, or Fansided. Uh, Drake, did I get everything? Nailed it, man. Nailed it. There you go. <laughs> well, welcome to the show, Drake. Uh, why don't you tell everybody where we can find you on social media, too? We like to shut that out. Yeah, of course. Well, thanks for having me on, you guys. You know, Scott, big fan, doing great things yourself. And, uh, you know, just good to see us all getting out there and doing our thing. But as for me, you can find me at Drake Riggs underscore on Twitter and Instagram. Mostly a Twitter guy. Instagram is, uh, you know, it's a little trickier, I would say. I haven't quite figured that one out yet. But Twitter, that's where you can find anything and everything that... I am doing uh, if you're interested. And if you are, I appreciate that greatly. So uh, glad to be here, guys. Absolutely. And you know what? I'm I'm the same way with, with Instagram. I have one. I I would say I think I've posted like three things on it, but I, I <laughs> often use it as a, an effective tool of communication with people who are not on Twitter. Uh, right. That's where I find it to be the most useful uh, as a journalist, you know? Yeah, it's uh, I just don't like the fact that you can't share the link so easily if you're not like a big big fa- more famous instagrammer i don't know mm. if that's a word you can use at instagrammer sure. but uh yeah it's uh it's not most convenient i don't think for us as writers that's my opinion i agree and you're not even into it much dan right no i mean you need a big following to even get it to put a link on something yeah i know i've, so. I've tried putting links on it and i forget that and then i look like a noob <laughs> 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 but uh you know enough enough social media i don't love social media anyway let's let's talk about fights i love fights uh, and of course, the main attraction for this weekend was the interim heavyweight UFC championship fight, which we didn't need to be an interim title fight, but it was anyway. Uh, but none other than Cyril Gann looking fantastic getting the third round TKO over Derek Lewis. Uh, I mean, let's let's start with Drake, our our guest, right, Dan? Let's let's yeah, see if it's him. What are your thoughts on Cyril Gann's performance? I mean, obviously he looked great, right? I think that's undeniable. And he's been looking great throughout his entire career so far. 10 and 0 now. The guy the way that this guy has evolved as quickly as he has before our eyes is pretty impressive. And I wasn't quite sure if he'd be able to keep it up as he got to the upper echelon of the heavyweight division. But uh here he is getting himself a title that didn't need to be made, as you kind of alluded <laughs> to there. But hey, he's got it now. First man from France to do such a thing. So very cool. Uh, accomplishment to have um, aside from you know uh, Francis of course Um, but yeah he looked good I don't think that it was necessarily his most impressive performance to date Uh, I think that the Volkov one and maybe not the Jerzinho fight necessarily too were more impressive Um, 
but the Volkov one, I would say, just because I think Volkov offers up a bit more of a threat overall than Derek Lewis, who, you know, if we're going to be totally honest, for the most part, he generally is losing his fights until he's not. So that yeah. was kind of the same direction that this one was looking like it was going to go. And there were some moments there in those final closing seconds when uh, Gon was putting it on him that I was like, careful, man, you can <laughs> very well get clipped here and it could be game over because that's just what Derek Lewis does. But uh, aside from that, I mean, there's not a lot more to say about it. It was about as good as he could have asked for. Didn't really take any serious damage as he could have if, in those final moments there. But um, now he's got a belt. Now he's got a title fight guaranteed against a former training partner. Great story. Uh, I'm looking forward to that fight. That's for sure. Definitely. He looked he looked really good. Uh, I, I, I especially like that he threw a caution to the wind a little bit once he sensed blood in the water and actually went and got that finish. I thought that was uh, impressive. He wasn't overly cautious, right? Yeah, I, I so. think that was that was something that was good to see because I, you know, obviously the last two fights which you mentioned, he he did look impressive, you know, Drake, but he he definitely didn't press for anything. Right. He didn't take a lot of chances, and the fact that he was willing to do that, I think that's maybe it's a little dangerous as a fighter, but it's also going to earn him a lot more points. Yeah, no, definitely, and I mean, Dana criticized him after the Jerzinho fight, right, for being a little bit too. Uh, lackadaisical and patient with things, but of course, safer approach to take. And that was what his first main event. So maybe it makes more sense at the time. But uh, now you had to go after a guy like Derek Lewis, as we've mentioned here, and really was pouring it on. And, you know, if there was a different referee in there, you guys could have been stopped sooner. You never know mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But um, sure. yeah, that was definitely uh, good to see him when, go after, you know, when he smelled blood because, uh, Derek Lewis gave him that opportunity a little bit, but it was because of Gunn. So, uh, yeah, that was uh, a nice cherry on top of an already good mm-hmm. performance before that. So, Dan, what do you think this means for like the heavyweight division as a whole in the UFC? Now that we've got Gunn as the uh, interim title holder, which is essentially an official you know, card-holding number one contender is really what it comes down to. What do you think of that? I mean, the heavyweight division as a whole is getting much more interesting than it, than it has been. I mean, you got years, really good guys at the top, great prospects coming up. I, I think it's a division that that's turning for the better to where it used to be like, Oh, just two really big out of shape guys that if they didn't knock each other out in five minutes, you were just going to be bored for the rest of the fight. And there's still some of that, but not, not as much. Oh, it, it's getting better. <laughs> it's getting better. What do you think, Drake? Are, are you happy with the kind of the way the UFC's heavy division is starting to build now? Yeah, no, I for me, I love to see freshness, you know, and especially if it's not rushed and which I was afraid of that being the case with Gon, because, again, he's still still relatively inexperienced and a younger guy uh, heavyweight wise and all that, you know, just 10 fights and all things considered. But, um, yeah, no, I just like to see fresh new matchups. If Derek Lewis would have won, then, of course, we get the rematch of one of the worst fights of all time. <laughs> so, you know, it's always a scare in the back of everyone's mind. Is it going to happen again? for the title this time please no i don't think it would have personally but now we don't even have to worry about that even though i know people are afraid of the styles clash between you know gun and francis as fighters themselves but now former teammates who have that familiarity you know sometimes past uh you know teammates might not be as aggressive and violent towards each other even though i feel like more often than not they are actually more so that way because they know each other but you never know um yeah i really like how this has turned out in terms of things for the future, you know, and um, I like the fight a lot. Francis, though, he's the champ. And I still, despite this win for Ghana, as good as he looked, being able to put away Derek Lewis when Ngano 
couldn't, you know, I mean, if it wasn't much of a fight, right, but it could technically couldn't. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I just, I still struggle to see anybody beating that version of Francis that we saw against Stipe in that rematch. I think gone is the guy who's going to give him the best, most likely guy to do it. And yes, that's including John Jones, but, uh, either way, I just don't see anyone touching that guy that beats Stipe in the rematch. Interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I tend to agree with a lot of the points you're actually bringing up, but let's, let's just put Let's put Drake in charge first, then then uh, you, mm -hmm. Dan. You're in charge. You get to do Mick Maynard's job. You get to do Sean Selby's job, Dana White. Who would you prefer to book between the following heavyweight players? Francis Ngannou, Cyril Gann, Stipe Miocic, and John Jones. Forget belts. What are the matchups right. you want? Well, this this feels kind of easy, right, you guys? Like we have, We do have to see... At least in a perfect world, Jones versus Agano. We, you know, it's mm -hmm. just been teased so hard right now. That's uh, what we all wanted before it, you know, kind of crumbled before our eyes. Unfortunately, that's the fight to do. And yes, I, I feel it feels wrong though at the same time because of Stipe and how great of a champion he was, and you know, has the records for all these things. But um, at the same time, again with the freshness, you know, like. He's fought, what, the same two guys for the last three years or however long. Kind of similar to Cain Velasquez, which was something I always pointed out and people would kind of forget about. He just fought Bigfoot and Junior for like you know, three years straight. It was, it was kind of, of a career, yeah. weird thing. <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, and Stipe gone. That's a fun fight. I don't have anything wrong with that. Stipe, just give me the freshness. Those are both the freshest matchups, right? Of course, you could mix with go with gone and uh and gone like we're gonna do right now and then steep a versus jones is still fun you could even do of course the opposite of that but i i just think the jones and gano fight it it's we've been teased so much about it we've te been teased about jones at heavyweight since kane was champion that's when we first started hearing about those uh jones jones being interested in going up which uh that was in what 2013 or 12 when he was kind of three three or two title defenses in so it's been a long time. It's been a very just long uh, time. let's make this happen. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I, and you're a man after my hope on my own heart, I should say. By the way, because I am definitely one who wants fresh matchups and that kind of thing. So you're speaking right to me, Dan. What about you? Is that <laughs> do you agree with Drake or do you want to see uh, something different? I don't. I mean, I, I really truly don't care if they unify the title. Well, like, yeah, that's that, what I mean. Throw the belts yeah. away. I don't care. And Ganu Gan is the least interesting uh, to me. I want to see Ganu Jones, Gan Jones, or Drake, did we lose you? Are you still there? No, you, I'm still oh, here. Oh, you yeah. flashed out for me. Jones gone or Jones Stipe? I, I take. I want to see John Jones at heavyweight. That's the most interesting thing to me. But so I, I think John Jones versus any of the three is my choice. All I know is that we're going to end up with the worst possible combination just based on <laughs> recent history. Or it's basically just going to be whoever's available at the particular date they're going to do. Maybe they'll, as everyone's been joking about on social media on Sunday, the day after the fight, uh, maybe they'll do interim interim fights because now Cyril Gann's saying he wants to take some time off before he fights again, which is like oh the last God. thing Dana wanted to hear. <laughs> and I'm sure inside he's just like, I got to do this again. <laughs> I got to sell this thing to another bunch of people, a bunch of suckers again. Oh, uh, well, but here we are. Let, let's hope something happens. I mean, honestly, I will take any combination of them. I don't think you can go too wrong. Although, um, you know, I don't know that we need Nganu Miocic again. But other than that, right. everything else, I think we're, we're kind of winners there. Uh, but let's move on to kind of the centerpiece of, of our show here. And, uh, you know, this is the first time we've had Drake on. So he's going to see how we do our contested rounds, which is, of course, where we look at the rounds from the most recent UFC event 
or whatever event we're talking about. And anytime that the judges disagree, we're going to look into it and we're going to say, okay, what is it that the judges might have seen on each side? We'll say what we thought kind of happened and then, you know, really make a little bit of a judgment ourselves kind of on how we think. So, uh, Dan, you know, why don't you break down the first round from our first fight, which is Song Yadong, who got a split decision victory over Casey Kenny. 30-27, 29-28 for Song, and 29-28 for Kenny. So obviously we've got three different scores here. Round one and round three are the ones that we're going to talk about. Starting with round one, Dan, what did you see? I saw a very close round. I think Kenny is the one that's landing a bit better. I thought Song was, was thrown a lot, but I thought a lot of his shots were being blocked. And I was like, is, are those getting through? I don't know if they're getting through. Uh, the kicks definitely got through. The body kicks coming from both guys were strong. And uh, I just thought Kenny's punches seemed to be the ones that were getting through and a bit more effective. And I scored it for him 10-9. Okay. And you know what? I actually went the other way. But even before we get into that and before we get Drake's thoughts, I should point out the uh, how the judges scored it each in this one. So we had two judges saw this one for Kenny, just as you did. Sal D'Amato and Kerry Hatley, who was pulling double duty in Houston, That's as crazy. they like to do. In Texas, they always put these referees and judges who are local. They'll do they'll do double style with them, and I, I mean, we saw Gary Hatley ref and judge, and it's just like, come on, put put them in one <laughs> role. Like it's the UFC. This is the big <laughs> leagues. You don't do this on the local shows. That's fine. Uh, but anyway, and then the third judge, Chris Lee, uh, was the out judge in this round who saw it for song. Now I saw it for song. But I, and it is a very close round. I, I don't have a real beef with it going one way or the other in particular. The one thing that kind of stands out for me is, I, and I think this was like kind of the crux of how this fight, this round actually gets judged, is when Kenny kind of gets that, like, it's really not a knockdown. He basically catches right. Song more or less slipping. I don't even know that he really landed very flush with anything. But then obviously he starts going for, you know, he's looking like that front headlock position. Nothing effective grappling-wise comes out of it. It's really just a holding position there. So that, I think it depends how that particular position gets evaluated by the judge or assessed by the judge, depending on their angle and all sorts of things. I think that's a real big thing here because what I saw in this round was a better volume Overall, close effectiveness and impact on the strikes, but I do give the edge to Song. So that's where I sit. Uh, Drake, what about you? What do you think of this round? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with both of you guys on all the points that you've nailed there, uh, just to be nice and generic. There you <laughs> but, go. Uh, no, it was... <laughs> Very wishy-washy for our first guess, uh, yeah. first uh, round here. What, do you, what else? What is you got, Rick? <laughs> it was, uh, no, this fight, uh, I think the first two rounds were, they felt almost identical to me. I know we're talking about the first one here specifically, sure. but uh, yeah, very, very close. Uh, I don't have any real arguments with either direction that it goes. I know even some people, shout out to the man, Craig Allen, who uh, I think he even had this at 10-10 round, which, you know, very rare to see. And I am all for 10-10s myself. Ooh, I Craig Allen. I like it. Craig Allen, but no. <laughs> <laughs> I did edge it to, uh, to Song as well. Um, it was great body shots, as you mentioned there, Dan. And uh, I mean, from both guys, but it was i felt like they were both blocking relatively well a lot of uh misses as you will see but very sharp technique from both guys and that that last sequence though scott i think was um definitely could have been a sway for for the judges in this case or what was it the one that scored uh in this case um 
and you yeah, know with two, the, two the old rules Kenny, right yeah. so oh i see which oh, yeah i don't know i'm not sure about that uh, the old rules they're not really that different is the thing i think that's a little bit of a, a misnomer is that there really was just a little bit of a clarification to the criteria mm. about five years ago it's almost exactly five years ago actually um yeah. so yeah, yeah it, not drastically different yeah either way though i mean this round was you know very very close just felt that uh song just it pretty much just slightly more impactful you know kenny was coming at him most of both of those first two rounds again but uh i just feel like song had the edge in the volume ever so slightly like very very close sure, and just sure. uh his shots were a bit more did a bit more like i never had any moments watching these first two rounds again in particular uh we'll get to the third where uh, you know, Kenny landed something and it made me react, you know, or you'll see the, one of those shots and you're like, oh, you know, that was all right. That was a solid one. Sure. Uh, and not not a whole lot from song in those first two rounds like that. But I did, you know, have more feelings that way uh, about the shots that he was landing. So sure, sure. Uh, just and, how and, I saw that. And we ended up you and I, uh, Drake, ended up on the same side as Chris Lee here. So Dan ended up on the side of the majority judges. That really it, it makes it kind of a tie because now we've got six. Usually we're, we're at kind of an even five or not odd five, which gives us a winner. Typically, if two of us agree with the out judge, that would be Dan and I, we would call that a couch side override. But because you are the <laughs> guest judge, I'm just I'm sorry, Drake, you don't have that cachet just yet. We cannot give the couch side override to Chris Lee. It is it is still the majority ultimately goes for Kenny poor Chris Lee. He's been through a lot. I, hey, you know what? He, he gets through this every single week. You know this, right? But then <laughs> yeah. I think what we have in some of the rounds that we're going to talk about later is going to make everybody realize just why. And, and I like this analogy that that I created myself, of course, the other day is that kind of the uh, <laughs> the starting quarterback syndrome. The backup quarterback syndrome really is what it is because everybody looks at Chris Lee. He's like the starting quarterback you're just frustrated with. You just want him out of the game. I don't care who the backup is. Give me the backup. Well, when you go to Houston, you get the backups. You get to see what the backups <laughs> can do. And then you can decide whether you wanted the backup or you wanted the starter. So we do have that. We'll get to that probably even just about right now, actually. Right? Like, let's move on to round three, guys. This was, I think this was the one that actually had much more people up in an uproar uh, that went uh, with the scoring here because we had two judges, Lee and D'Amato, who are our traveling judges, our much more experienced judges. They saw round three for Song. Kerry Hatley, who I think people will most often think of as a referee, uh, I believe he does more of his work as a referee, but he does it. Obviously, we've seen Judge here. He did see round three for Kenny. Uh, this was a much more controversial score when it was put out there. Everybody was a little surprised it was a split decision, uh, as my understanding. So, uh, or not a split decision, excuse me, but all three rounds. No, yeah, that's decision. right. It was a split decision. Thank you. I'm talking myself out of everything. Dan, <laughs> before, we, before I talk myself out of everything that's going on in this fight, mm -hmm. tell us what happened in this round. Yeah, round three. I thought Song started to pull away. Uh, I think it's still pretty close, but I think it's also pretty clear uh, for Song. Landing better. Kenny's landing, but it, it's kind of sporadic. His volume's down. Has a couple higher spots, including that knee to the face. Uh, but Song kind of just walked right through it. So There didn't seem to be a lot of yeah. impact on it or effectiveness to the striking, right? Yeah, and, and Song was landing. You know, his headshots this round, I think, were far and above his best headshots of the fight. Good body kicks, too. And I, I got to give it to Song, and I, I don't see the strongest argument for, for Kenny in this one. Yeah, we, we like to use a phrase, close but clear, 
on this show, and, and, mm. and I think this is a phrase that we uh, often I like hear that phrase from, as well. from uh, some officials as well, close but clear. This is not close but clear. This is clear. I think this is a clear <laughs> okay. round for Song Yudong. I, I just do. I think he landed with higher volume. I think he landed better. I mean, the, if you look at the strike totals, the strike totals are something that you can only use to you know, further illustrate the point you already have in your head. You can't let that prove to you what something is. But the strike totals here already confirm something that I thought, which was Song's landing better and more often. And the strike totals are like way in Song's favor for this particular round. I think it was like 51 to 33 significant strike differential. Um, that doesn't tell the whole story, but we're talking about impact coming from Song too. And that's where it's key. So I don't see this as close, but clear. I saw this as clear right. uh, for Song, uh, as did Chris Lee and Sal D'Amato. But it was Kerry Hatley who saw this for Kenny. Drake, can you save Kerry Hatley here? Nope. Nope. Unfortunately <laughs> not, Kerry. Sorry, you're alone on this one, man. Uh, I agree completely, Scott. This was this was easily the most uh, most dominant uh, round of the entire fight for either guy, but clearly for Song Yadong. Um, yeah, man, just... Better volume, was landing more effectively. I mean, he was rattling off those body kicks back-to-back, -back, like three in a row sometimes. Uh, the, the big highlights for Kenny were definitely that knee that he caught Song with, and then there was like a Superman punch in there. But that was about it. And, of course, he did get the takedown at like five seconds left or so. But doesn't mean much when he was getting pieced up for most of pretty much the whole round before you know, that. So, I'm, I'm uh, going gonna, gonna to have to interrupt you there because my understanding from the uh, venerable judging expert, Dominic Cruz, is if you <laughs> get a takedown at the end of the round, you win the round. Is that? Do I have that wrong, Drake? <sighs> that's what he said. <laughs> <laughs> and we all know that's wrong. And Dom's my boy, but, you know, it's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, he, he says a lot of... A lot of silliness about judging right <laughs> so does joe so does joe <laughs> oh, a lot of them do don't worry we we know most of them do <laughs> we only have the voices of reason typically coming from the uh the play-by-play -play guys side because they realize well we got to bring it back when we got you know the animals get out of the cages and stuff so the, to speak. the best the most right. educated on judging is uh john uh from the uk john gooden john gooden he's yes. the best one and and honestly, Dan Hardy, obviously not with yeah, the UFC Dan. anymore, but he he also bought in and really understood. I think he had probably a lot of conversations with people like Mark Goddard and and some of the UK based judges over there too. That's my understanding. So we had we had some good information coming from Dan Hardy. Say what you want about his exit; it is what it is. But when he was here, he was given a lot mm -hmm. of info, and, I, and we always appreciated that. Uh, but yeah, so I we all agree here. Kerry uh, Hatley was uh, quite out of step on right? an island. Mm -hmm. So that is where we sit. Uh, sorry that this is not a great score. I think this is what we come down to. Like, typically, we don't even find that the judge gives a bad score. I'm going to call this a bad score. I really will. Right. Yeah, not a good one. Definitely not a good one. <laughs> but it might even be better than the next score <laughs> and the next fight that we're going to be talking about. And this is the one that had everybody real, real mad. Uh, and it wasn't oh, yeah. even a split decision. It was. It, it ended up being a third round in a fight that truly didn't matter what happened in the third round other than a finish. But it got everybody up in arms. And honestly, I don't blame them. And that was the Rafael Faziev unanimous decision victory over Bobby Green, 229-28s for Faziev and a 30-27. That 30-27 got people <laughs> real mad because... I mean, Dan, why don't, why don't you explain? Well, why? thirty twenty-seven doesn't represent what we saw. No, and, at all. And but it, but so, particularly that third round. What happens in oh, the third yeah, round? This here? Is, I mean, 
pretty clearly this is Green's round. I mean, I'd say very clearly. Uh, for every strike Fizzy have threw, Green answered with a bunch of the strikes, and a bunch of the ones that he responded with, they all landed. And Fiziev may have had, you know, a couple strong ones in the round, but no way was he the more effective fighter in, in that round. You know, Green's doing the typical thing that, you know, usually lets you know those strikes hurt by nodding and saying, and saying no, nothing. But I truly believe him that, no, these strikes did nothing to him. They just and, didn't look that effective. Like, forget the body language yeah. stuff. Forget yeah. you know, the gamesmanship, so to speak, that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. This was a guy who didn't really feel what Fiziev was throwing at him anymore. And he's throwing bigger volume. It's it's he's pretty much throwing three strikes for every two when you look at the numbers. Uh, and they're landing really well on a guy who's slowing down. I mean, we we saw Fizzy yeah. definitely slowing. There's obvious, and this doesn't have to do with scoring, but there are obvious issues with his ability to fight through. And if he's going to fight a five round fight at some point, that's going to be a real issue. But that is irrelevant of the scoring here. I saw a very clear round for Bobby Green. Uh, just the same way Chris Lee and Sal D'Amato did. Uh, but <laughs> unfortunately, they, as we're talking about here, they were not unanimous because we had local Houston-based judge Joshua Ferraro saw this, this round for Fiziev. Dan, I mean, is there any case for that? There's, there's, this is a tough one to defend. And, and I, think, I think you've mentioned it before. Texas does not do a post-mortem where judges have to explain themselves my understanding so. is yes like most states where they go and they have a post-mortem they'll go over things the commission will talk to them i don't know that this happened this time and i can't speak to that but my understanding is in the past they don't do that they just kind of come just... they do what they do and then they leave and commission doesn't seem to care <laughs> I... uh, that's my understanding bobby green was having his way with him in that ring. He just everything he landed was strong I mean, I was talking to people afterward that are like, uh, you know, sensible people who understand the criteria. Like, no, I wasn't even scoring that one, but there's no way you can make an argument <laughs> for it. Uh, Drake, what about you? I mean, is, how how bad is this score to you? I mean, you guys, this feels like, especially in recent memory, one of the worst singular scorecards you know, I've seen in a while and I tag it along with uh, Matt Burnell. I think his 3027 over um, uh, Manuel Sanchez. We saw in Bellator last mm. week. Those these two back to back just make zero sense to me. You know, I, I just can't see any justification. Uh, and I don't want to go as far to say there are two of the worst singular scorecards ever, but they're definitely some of the worst. We've had I some can real bad in ones. Recent memory. It's definitely one of the worst of the year, <laughs> I think is fair to say. I don't think that's going out on too much of a limb because I honestly as much yeah. as uh as much as judging gets maligned and people think it's worse than ever, I mean, Dan and I would will say it every week that judging is honestly in a better place than it's ever been if you really look at things and the look at the right. number of competent judges that we actually have. Uh, and, I, and that's the line that I think a lot of people are looking for. They really just want competent. It's such a yeah. low bar that people <laughs> set and they don't think it's being cleared. It is most definitely being cleared. You want to say that somebody is maybe not you know, machine-like, that's fine. But uh, it who, who can really expect it? We're going to be complaining about judges, even if it is machines, let's face it. Uh, but oh, yeah. yeah, this this one's a tough one. Uh, I can just say from doing a little bit of research that Joshua Ferraro is not the most assigned uh, judge in the Houston area, even when they have events. So it, him, like some of the other judges that work in Houston, they, they're often assigned as referees 
or as timekeepers in some cases rather than judges. But then when the UFC comes to town, they get judging assignments. And this that's where this is where <laughs> I start to have a major issue with the way Texas does things. Is if you're if the UFC comes to town, they're giving you a list of judges that they would recommend should you decide to use them. They're they're basically just trying to say, hey, if you want some ideas, this is what we have. And Texas used to only add two of those names. Now they do three to their credit. And even at this event, they actually had all three traveling judges, which were uh, Sal D'Amato, Chris Lee, and Doug Crosby, uh, who, who is controversial in his own right. But we don't need to get into that one. Uh, but those three were both, uh, they were staffed for both the headliner and the co-main event. So they at least did something unique to what they usually do. But going back to Ferraro here, I just, I don't, people were calling for this guy to get fired. Texas is not going to fire him, guys. First off, they're just not going to fire Josh Ferraro. They don't care that much. First off, I don't think they really care that much. Number two, he needs experience. He needs it not in the UFC, but he needs experience. (laughs) This is where all these guys need experience. I think you give them a couple assignments on on a UFC card, that makes sense. But, I mean, we've seen pretty much every, every event that we've had in Houston recently. There was Joshua Ferraro this time. Last last time earlier this year, it was Patrick Patlan, and then last year when they were here, uh, when they were in Houston for the Jones uh, Reyes fight, Joe Solas, who now we all know is the very infamous judge from Texas, uh, he was the guy. So we've had every time we've had someone from Houston just show that they are not ready for the big show. Do you think these these Houston based or Texas based judges believe in the Texas criteria that's on the website? No, I don't. Um, okay, my that's not what my understanding is. Is they judge so that what what Dan what you're referring to? Why don't you just say exactly what you're talking? Well, about? they put more weight into you know aggressiveness and and control. It's not exactly so. what it is. It's it's really what they do is on the on the Texas. Uh, Department of Licensing and Regulation website, it does kind of have a very brief explanation of what how, how a fight is scored and, and the very bare minimum explanation of how a 10-point must system works. That is not the doctrine that I understand even local Texas judges go by. My understanding is they still go by what's on the ABC, just like every other judge. And they're, they're not doing anything weird. So to answer your question, no. I don't okay. think so. Uh, Drake, just because you're you're obviously not someone who always talks about this like Dan and I do, but like, I mean, what do you th- what are your thoughts on how we get better judging in general with when it comes to like local officials like this? Like, I mean, they have to get training if you want if you want Chris Lee out of there. Like, if you don't like Chris Lee, right. you need someone better. How do we make someone better? Uh, I mean. It's the old cliche, right, about practice making perfect, <laughs> where you know just get those reps in, man. On the regional scene or i mean if you want to do it completely as safe as possible to where you're not affecting any careers potentially let's say if you're not doing amateurs or something like that even though still that that is important for them as individuals uh maybe just you know have them score a certain amount of fights that have already happened before go back and rewatch, really discuss why you know, they scored them these ways and they have to have a certain amount under their belt that they have watched. I know it's like, maybe might be a little difficult to track that, but I just think the more that you study and watch over time with anything, right, you're going to slowly get better and better at it, understand it more and more. And in this case, it's, it's so hard for people to kind of with something like fighting, you know, which people will make 
the arguments that the criteria by itself, it's weird to take it, you know, the old boxing, you know, system that of you're course. taking and integrating it to a sport that has so many more things involved. Um, so yeah, man, I, I don't know. It's, it's a really tricky thing, right? It is but tricky, yeah. I think the simplest, simplest way to go about it is just make them make sure that they get as many reps in as possible that, you know, aren't on the biggest stages where, you know, sure. if you're not your best yet that you can be. Um, but also then it comes down to deciding how much is enough, right? Because again, every fight is going to be very different. So you could argue that know, it's man. never it's hard enough to, to be fair. Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. What do you, what do you think, Dan? Cause I don't know if this is a question so, that I've, we, we've really actually discussed in, in its, in its uh, entirety here. What do you think? So Mark Smith, uh, referee typically in Nevada, he goes to extreme couture and he'll actually get in the cage there when two guys are sparring. This is what they talked about. Is this on Joe Rogan? Yeah, this, he speaks about this on, on the Rogan podcast that he was on and he'll like judge, like, like not judge, uh, he'll referee while the two guys are sparring to, you know, I guess mm. to get some kind of practice if there is a such thing as practice for it. And he sure. said, you know, he'd bring some of the, the local Nevada guys like judges, you know, just put them in a seat outside the cage and kind of get a feel or at least get a look at something that they may experience. See, I like that. I like that a lot. And and I think, that, uh, you know, probably a combination of, of things like that, you know, kind of outside the box thinking uh, more shadow judging. Like if someone isn't actually the judge on there on that event, even at the local shows, like I hope that they're shadowing more. If the especially if the idea is that when they come to the UFC, when the UFC comes to town, they're going to be judging like get these people ready. Do you think Josh Ferraro wants to have people know, hey, you messed that up, dude. Like, I'm sure he doesn't want that, you know, and I'm sure he's not but that's shying away you're from being pressure. a judge, man. That's yeah. Oh, yeah, get. of course. Of course. But like <laughs> when when you work for that commission, I mean, I'm not sure how kind of that gets decided. Like, is is Josh Ferrar lobbying to do it or is the commission just like now nah, you're on tonight? I don't know. It's right. a good question because it's, you know, the UFC pays a lot more money when they come to town than when LFA has a show in mm -hmm. Houston. You know, it's just there's a lot of money there. I can understand why someone would say. Hey, I want that. You know, it's a tough thing. But uh, yeah, we've got, obviously we've gotten way off topic. Uh, but on the whole, yeah, Josh <laughs> Ferraro, I think we can all agree, bad score. One of probably one of the worst scores of the year, and it, I would say it's definitely ranks up there with uh, a Patrick Patland score from earlier this year. It, it's all Houston. It's his name's not, not on here. Huh? Not, nothing good coming out of Houston. Yeah, his name's not <laughs> on here. Patland's not on here. I don't think time. he had many or any fights that went to distance. Okay. He might have had one that went to distance, but we did fortunately have a lot of fights on this card that were kind of pretty clear 30 27s and stuff mm -hmm. so that that really helped we had a lot of finishes which we'll talk about later but you know let's move on we, we three more rounds here not not too much that i don't think we have to go crazy about like some of these other ones but uh well maybe just a little bit this one here melissa gatto <laughs> uh who got the tko after round two between rounds two and three dr stoppage when victoria leonardo uh her arm just wasn't working much anymore right guys <laughs> no yeah, just having flashbacks to the Kanako fight. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm obviously, of course, we should lead with you actually, just because you are uh, one of the people who I look to for uh, women's MMA expertise. Actually, oh, Drake, I appreciate I'm, it. Oh man. yeah, of course, you you do a good job there. But uh, well, you know what? Before before I kind of go to you, I want Dan to set it up, and then I want you to be the first to share what you thought of this one. So Dan, what yeah. happened in this round? Gets on the feet, and uh, Gatto decides she wants it on the ground. Gets a takedown. Starts attacking uh, a little bit of a Kimura because she ends up on the bottom somehow. I should say this is round one. So, I don't think I actually mentioned that. Yeah, round one. <laughs> attacks, yeah, yeah. attacks the Kimura, 
attacks uh, arm bars from there, ends up taking the back, lands a couple strikes. That was uh, that's kind of the whole round. Yeah, more or less. And and two judges saw this round for Gatto, and that was uh, Robert Alexander, another local judge, and Doug Crosby, who again we said is is coming from out of town, and, and again comes with his own baggage. Uh, the <laughs> the third judge was uh, Danny D'Alejandro, another local judge, and he saw that one for Leonardo. Now Drake, what'd you say? <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's a little bit silly, a little bit silly. I mm. thought Mosagato looked great in this entire fight, obviously, ended up getting the finish and everything. But um, yeah, Dan, you know, set it up nicely there. The only thing that you can really highlight, which you know Dan left out, was the fact that Leonardo had some top time. She had some time on top there in what, around the final minute, a half mark, a little bit under two minutes at least, and uh, just didn't really do much with it. Uh, you know, Gato was attacking from bottom. I would, I'd probably say more actively wasn't landing anything too, too crazy, but that that was that was about the best best moment for Leonardo was to be on top at the time that she was there towards the end. But prior to that, it was just the Gato show. And then it was afterwards, too. She looked great in the striking, uh, was just a heat seeker in terms of submissions on the ground. Um, an overall great performance from her, but her losing the first round just because she was on bottom for a little bit is, you know, hate to see that. I really hate to see that. <laughs> it, it feels to me like a round like this is how you pass like judging 101. Like it's your final exam. Right. You get to move on to 102. Who won this round? Is it the person who was on the bottom? Because they were on the bottom, but they were also trying to be more offensive? Or is it the person who was on the top? Because they were on the top and they were on the top. And I think we all kind of know the answer to that. It's, it's obviously, you know, we're talking about effective striking and effective grappling. I think we had probably the winner of both of those types of criteria be Gatto here, right? Anyone disagree? Or? No, spot no. on. This was, yeah, Gatto. She, uh, is there anything Leonardo did? I, I had to go back and rewatch <laughs> the first minute of the fight. Uh, yeah, of the fight, because it's round one. Mm-hmm. To see if, if Leonardo landed some crazy punch or strike or something. I remember nothing to, of significance. And I was like, okay, she's losing on the feet. She lost the striking battle in that first minute. And then I, I did leave out that part where Leonardo's on top because I thought she, she was completely defensive the whole time outside of a couple right. of strikes she landed. But you've ha- you so, have to think that that is what D'Alejandro is scoring, right? I mean, that's I it's got to be the only thing. I can't think of a single right. way yeah. you would argue yeah. it based on the strike. If you just want to point to striking or something, I don't even think that's going to save him on this one. Right? No, Mm-mm. you can't. No, you know she lost the striking. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah I, I think I think we're pretty much all united here, right? That Melissa Gatto won this round. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm. I'm. I'm going to amend what I said said earlier. That yeah, this was pretty pretty poor i think i was just <laughs> i think i was just uh I you were in just, a good mood baby. i was just excited they, they right. the three traveling judges nailed aldo munoz yeah i think oh, i were. was just high on that they were very good on that i i will so. have to say uh but yeah so not not the greatest score here i, I you know so i really that comes when it comes down to it i think what we have from the night so far and we've got two more judges or two more rounds that we'll go through much more quickly because they didn't really have as much effect but i want to say three out of four of these rounds that we talked about were not good to terrible right Mm-hmm. Yeah, as far as the scoring goes. It is what it is. Fortunately, the right woman won. I don't think we had any wrong winners to, uh, on the evening, and, and that is the best part of it, is ultimately the judges did get the job right. So credit to them. 
credit where it's due. We do have two more quick rounds, like I said, one of which was, uh, they were both round twos, actually. The first of which came in a, a Tisha Torres getting the unanimous decision over Angela Hill, 30-27 twice and a 29-28. Uh, round two was Jeff Rexroad who I think Scooby-Doo would call Ref Rex Road because he's also a referee. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, that's my terrible joke. I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a dad. I tell dad jokes, so it is what it is. And Doug Crosby, uh, they both saw this one for Tisha Torres. Jacob Montava, who also like Rex Road and Carrie Hatley is pulling double duty as judge and ref. He see, sees this one for Angela Hill. Uh, Dan, what, what happened in this round real quick? And, and uh, I, I was shocked. I, I was pretty surprised this was a split round. Yeah, I, 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 there wasn't an exchange except for in the final thirty seconds where I would say Hill got the better of it that time. I thought and she ends up in Mount basically and doesn't really do anything. Right, there, she yeah. does get she does right. get that you know that brief uh, grappling win, which I she kind of just fell really, into it. I mean, I'm not trying to discredit yeah. Angela Hill here. Well, she but... went neon belly in in, in transition. To sure, Mount, but then nothing nothing that, came but... of it. Yeah, uh, I thought Torres was landing really good with the sidekick to the head and to the body. Her punches were just way stronger, more effective than than anything mm. Hill was throwing. I, I I just can't see it. I don't, I don't see it for Hill. What about you, Drake? Yeah, no, I, I just think Tisha was a step ahead in this entire fight. Um, and in the second round, you know, if anything was going to be the sway for Angela, it would have been, you know, maybe that final 30 as Dan highlighted or, or again, the top, the top control. But, uh, aside from that, it was just this, it was a pretty one-way traffic fight, I would say. And, uh, you know, not a big a total blowout, like a domination or anything like that, but a very clear Tisha win in, in all three rounds, I thought. Yeah, I agree. Maybe close but clear, probably to some degree in there. I think yeah. it's probably fair to say about all three rounds, too. I agree. Uh, we're, we're all on the same train here. I can't even give it that. <laughs> that's fair all right a, hey i think this one's a clear i don't think i don't think it was close in round two okay so all right that's fair too i have no problem with that uh so yeah maybe we can lump this in i i think probably still this is one of the least of the six rounds that we're talking it's, about yeah okay I'll, I'll give you that this is the least uh one to you know get too upset over but when you think about it i mean we're talking about four rounds here and that that were a little more like come on guys really and all of them came from the local or Texas-based judges, especially. Right. You know, it, look, I I think you probably got to stick with the starting quarterback. I, <laughs> am I wrong here? <laughs> no. We don't have to like Chris. If you don't like Chris Lee better than you like some judges, okay, fine. But just understand that until there's more money or more incentive for more judges to get more experience and then get to this point, Chris Lee is who we have, and he's better than who we don't. So that's how I look at it. Uh, our last round, though, and I, I think this one probably you guys would agree is actually a much closer round. Round two of Vince Morales unanimous decision victory over uh Draco Rodriguez, not Drake Rodriguez. We have Drake and then Draco <laughs> Rodriguez here. Two thirty twenty sevens and a twenty nine twenty eight again. Two judges. Oh, actually, I have that. Excuse me, wrong. It's two twenty nine twenty eights and a thirty twenty seven because two judges saw this one for Rodriguez, even though he lost the fight. Doug Crosby and Danny Dalhandro saw it for rodriguez and carrie hatley once again is our out judge who saw this one for morales uh dan what happened here morales drops uh R rodriguez very early uh on the whole i thought his strikes were stronger i think it's a fairly close round i just think morales is hitting the body good and the head strikes are pretty solid i don't think rodriguez matched the impact i think that's where the difference is i didn't think the grappling was all that big of a, a factor this round i scored it for morales 10-9 I thought this was a very close round, actually. I was I had a lot of trouble scoring this round, uh, ultimately. But yeah, I, ultimately, 
for the same reasons you did, I sided with uh, Morales here, but I have no problem with it uh, going the other way, the way of the majority of the judges. Uh, what about you, Drake? Yeah, no, scoring this fight and the Song and Kenny fight were the, the toughest for me out of this whole night. I thought both of these fights were very close and competitive uh, in these early rounds in particular. And, you know, I don't really have a good argument for giving <laughs> Draco the, the nod here. I was very, very close, and I understand it going the other way of Morales. And, you know, people were up in arms a little bit about you know who was winning in the end it was it felt pretty close to me but um yeah man uh i, I could see either way don't have a good explanation all the, all the rounds kind of blend together for me in my mind from what i remember so no i don't blame you honestly this was in general i thought all of these rounds were, were particularly close and i was expecting the scores to be much more um like kind of all over the place than they really were uh so you know credit where it's due i think the judges more or less you know getting on the same page here and I do think overall Morales won the fight. Like, you know, throw throw out 10-9 and throw out round by round. I do think ultimately Morales deserved to win the fight and the scoring bore that out. So I think, you know, ultimately that's a win for the judges, right? Yeah. But Dan, you and I were on the side of Kerry Hatley, who was the out judge. And uh, despite our guest going against us, uh, <laughs> we because we ended up uh, siding with the out judge, what does that mean? Couch that over. Um... <laughs> You guys need the sound effect. <laughs> oh, that's me. That's me. That's all me. Right. <laughs> I don't need the sound effect. I can do it myself. I'm like uh, I'm like the guy from Police Academy. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, man. But that is it for the uh, the scored rounds here. I, honestly, there were 28 rounds turned in, and we only discussed six of them. And I think f- probably only four of them were, although we kind of disagreed pretty strongly with them, more, probably even more strongly than usual. Overall, ultimately, I think the judges did okay, and again, everybody got the win that probably deserved it, mm-hmm. right? Anyone disagree? Or no, they... sounds about right. I uh... and again, fortunately, most of these people knew they were fighting in Houston and said, "Well, we should probably take it out of the judges' hands because we got a lot of local <laughs> judges here." We had seven finishes uh, on the evening in Houston with four TKOs, three submissions, and uh, we had three first round finishes. Dan, what was your? You know what? No. Forget you, Dan. We're leading with Drake. Drake, what was your favorite finish? <laughs> I mean, tough, tough to choose from, right? We had plenty of good ones uh, on this card, and I didn't want to pick the same ones as you guys. Of course, uh, and we did. We did tag the first one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was going to, but pick regardless, the same one. I was going to pick the same one Scott had. Earlier. Actually, that's true. So, I, I picked one, and then I was like, you know what, Dan, you can have it because there's others I like. <laughs> but what, what did you pick, Drake? <laughs> when you had, when yeah, you had re- third choice. What was your favorite? Right, right. Well, I mean, regardless, I think I probably would have went with this one just because of the story. So for me, you know, Jessica Penne's first round armbar against Carolina Kovalkovich, um, you know, her first finish since the Invicta FC days for her. And, you know, it's just been such. Yeah, a good while ago. What was that? I got it up right here. 2013, right? Yeah. Against Nick Rivera. Um, Man, just to see Jessica come back you know, from all that time away that she had uh, and, you know, get the, again, I know a controversial win <laughs> at first against Lupi Godinez, but she ended up with the victory on paper. And now to finish uh, Carolina, just get two fights in, in such a quick period of time and get some type of momentum back, get some lost, make up for lost time, you know, uh, and a true pioneer of the sport. It's really kind of crazy when you think about all of the beginnings she's been a part of for the women and just all that she's had to battle through. It's hard for me not to be happy for her. And yes, I have a little bit of bias because I have done some stories with her in the past and she's been very kind to me. But, you know, just to see her 
get that finish after everything she's been through and against a fellow veteran, somebody that I'm surprised she didn't fight earlier in Carolina, uh, to do that in the first round even and look as good as she did. I mean, that was awesome. So for me, it's it's got to be that one. You know, honestly, I, I have to call out the, um, the matchmaking on this fight because it, it seems like this fight was designed to break somebody's heart especially right. people watching at home because like look obviously for all the reasons you outlined Jessica Penne has a fantastic story of redemption for herself but then we've also got on the flip side Kovalkiewicz now she's what lost five in a row she's yep. she's talked about you know I, I believe some you know moments of depression if I recall there's some stories out there about you know having struggles and things like that and she you know she's she was at the top of the sport. She actually put on a pretty solid performance against Joanna Janjacek, her, her countrywoman, at Madison Square Garden in a title fight. And she kind of just hasn't been the same since then. And like a part of you's got to, you know, just as a human, be like, man, this woman needs a win. And she just couldn't get it. <laughs> so it's it's yeah. a heartbreaker. Some, someone was going to lose this one and disappoint a bunch of people, but also uplift some people, too. So honestly, yeah, Dana, I believe, said something about, oh, Vince McMahon couldn't write a, a story like this about. He's talking about Cyril Gann and, and Francis Ngannou. And that was just the stupidest thing he's ever said. But or maybe <laughs> not. It's, it's kind of up there. But I want to say the storyline they created out of this was, was very interesting. Yeah, definitely was. I mean, two, again, two former title challengers and... Again, they both were in Invicta at, I believe, the same time. But either way, former uh, Invicta fighters at a point. And I didn't yeah, realize Kovalkiewicz li- was at was in Invicta. I knew she was in KSW at some point. Yeah, she had she had one fight in Invicta. Um, okay. I believe that was the Mizuki one, uh, which was a very good fight. Go check that out if you guys haven't seen that one. Sure. Just a little throwback there. Um, but yeah, just I love seeing you know kind of. Despite, you know, the heartbreak that we were going to get, Scott, I do like to see these fighters sometimes go against each other who are more veterans rather than throwing them to a prospect and seeing what happens there, which, you know, you kind of need to do in the sport every now and then. But like ahead of this, I was hoping that we'd get Jessica Penne versus Jin Yu Fry, which I still want right now. Two former Atomweight champions going at it at strawweight. Hey, that could happen time later. I want that next. I wanted it before this. (laughs) I took this one fine with it. But let's do that next. That's fun. Don't need to. There's so much talent in strawweight that you don't need to, uh, you know, throw throw them against the the new blood all the time. Even though it is necessary at times, but when they're getting winning streaks together now, let's put them against each other, huh? I like it. I like it. Dan, what about you? What was your favorite finish? The one that I wanted to do, and and then you you said, "Well, I want to do it." Well, I no, said, right, I, I, no. <laughs> I said you we could have double. No, favorites. I know. I'm, I'm so... teasing. You were you were definitely uh, <laughs> Just... gracious about it, but I said, you know what? I'll I'll let you have it. What was it? Luke a, uh tapping. Michael Chiesa Vicente with the Luque, Dars, and somehow Vicente Luque is finally getting some uh, some respect, I guess. Overdue respect <laughs> for being much. a violent, violent man. But, I mean, it, in it's a not, violent, violent sport. It's not just that he wins; it's it's just so opportune of how he did it. He escapes a rear naked choke that he said was eighty percent in. So I mean, that's probably pretty strong coming from a great rapper like Michael yes. Chiesa. Escaping that, noticing or, or recognizing the Dars is right there. Oh, let me just sink this in. That's my that's my submission and. I'm going to tap you out. For all those reasons, I wanted to pick that one. But (laughs) I did have another. I mean, again, there were seven finishes here. I think there's a lot of ways you can't go wrong here. And, you know, you could even pick Cyril Gann. But I said, you know, we already talked about it. My choice, Manel Kopp getting the the flying knee that just blasted Odie Osborne. Uh, And actually, part of the reason I wanted to pick this is because there's just a little bit discussion that we can have about the stoppage here. 
Jeff Rexrode is our referee. And Jeff, Jeff Rexrode, by the way, former uh, fighter for Legacy FC in his day, retired with a 6-1 and one record. He handed the first loss uh, in the career of Alex Morono. So accomplished fighter in his own right. Uh, but he's the ref here. And again, there was a little bit of, you know, was it a too early stoppage? What was it? Uh, Dan, I want to leave with you. What do you think? Did you think I the think fight was too, stop, uh, uh, too early? Or? I think it was a fair stoppage. Okay. What I mean, he even, he even gave him a second. Like, he's like, oh, do I need to come in real quick? Cop lands another shot. And he's like, yeah, yeah it's, this is over. Yeah. Whatever you drink. These, what do you think of stuff? Yeah, I wasn't too mad at it. And, you know, I'm all for the Ryzen guys getting their wins. So, yeah, <laughs> was a, you know, maybe has a little soft spot for me. But no, I I mean, yeah, he had I, I could have understood either way. But, um, you know, after getting blasted with a flying knee of all things uh, and then cop got right on top of him, Cape Cop, however you want to pronounce his last name. Jeez. Yes, I always um, <laughs> yeah, so I had no problems with it, honestly. Uh, but I, I do understand both sides for sure. Yeah, I, I have no problem with it. I think if you can understand both sides, that's kind of a sign that if you're sitting at home, maybe just, you know, don't complain. You know what I mean? And I'm not right. saying you are. I'm saying like that. That's a good barometer <laughs> for it in my mind. And generally speaking, you have to trust. I, I think Jeff Rexford actually is one of the most impressive uh, officials that we see uh, when we come to these Houston cards. He's worked the last two, both of them this year. And, and I'm very interested to see. Uh, him continue to develop as a referee and something maybe maybe we actually find a diamond in the rough in houston maybe, could it be that'd be nice <laughs> maybe, could we have something good come out of this uh what is it a rose grows from concrete or you know it's a little different in this case but uh but that is it for this event uh looking ahead real quick before we wrap up here we have no ufc this coming weekend which for me is a mercy because i have plans this weekend i'm, I'm going to a bachelor party that i planned for my buddy uh and you know, dan you're away at least part of this week right yeah yeah. yeah, I'll be back. I'll be back for the weekend. Yeah, but either way. You're, yeah. you're and then we also have uh, Bellator 264 and PFL number seven dueling on Friday night. The Bellator headliner being Gegar Mousasi against John Salter, a middleweight title fight. Uh, and then PFL has its semifinals for welterweight and lightweight. The main attraction here is, of course, the welterweight showdown between Rory McDonald and Ray Cooper the third, which honestly, this is probably the most interesting fight that we have in the PFL, at least welterweight division. Uh, you know, if you want to say overall, maybe, but definitely at welterweight. Uh, any, any disagreement there, Drake? What do you think? No, no, it's uh, I'm very, very excited for uh, Ray Cooper and Rory McDonald. I think that you know, I mean, Ray Cooper in general is must see TV. The guy just has bombs for fists, and then Rory McDonald, of course, has been around for forever now, and you know, see if he can be one of the few guys who came over from this season or the notable names to, you know, not get upset to because be that's been going on. Disappointing. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. That's the best way to put it. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that. Not looking forward to them being on the same night. I thought these cards were, uh, I thought PFL was on Thursday. How, uh, not a fan of that, but they are often know. on Thursday, but this one, uh, and, I mean, someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but I double checked before I thought, and they were both August 13, which yeah. is Friday. And that is not cool. Uh, but nope. again, I'm not gonna watch any of these cause I'm taking a, a weekend <laughs> off from MMA. I, you know, I earned it. I'm going to have a fun time with my buddies. Uh, I believe it's also one championship uh, event this weekend. If I understand, although I don't know the day, uh, Drake, do you know that Dan either way? Those, if there is one, it would be friday morning for us in the states ah yes well at so. least they don't clash yeah right. there is one yeah friday at 8 30 
Eastern time. Is that Zhang LePeng and Edward Foliang, right? I yes. Believe that, I believe yep, that is the case. Yeah, yeah, that's the main. Yeah. I don't typically watch as much one, but uh, I try to keep a tabs on it. Uh, Drake, do you watch a lot of one? Because obviously it's a weird time. Yeah, no, I, I I, can't catch one live. That's just a little too early for me. They start like right around when I'm typically going to bed here on the West Coast. But um, I'll watch them when I wake up. So don't usually get them live. But uh, yeah, I'd like to catch one as much as I can. Uh but it's difficult. They're the, they're the only difficult, you know, major organization for me to keep up with. But I, I do my best. <laughs> I get you. I get you. Well, well, listen, Drake, uh, as we wrap up here, I want to thank you again for joining us uh, on this episode. I, I think we had a good time talking about some uh, some terrible judging in some cases <laughs> in Houston, right? Yeah, it was a good time. Oh, yeah. Well, listen, uh, that that about does it for us, right? Why don't we let's let's play the music. And again, thank you, everybody, for listening. You can make sure to follow Drake on social media, on Twitter at DrakeRiggs underscore. Thanks again, Drake, for joining us. And uh, Dan and I will be back on Monday. We have no weekend uh, show this weekend. So thanks for listening, everybody. Take care, everyone.